Hey everybody, welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Of course, I'm your host, Big Ron Parlow, co-host Dusty Hanshaw, and the producer, Scott McNally. Welcome guys. Remember, like, share, subscribe, comment, and ring the bell. Ring the bell. And remember, IamMutant.com, proud sponsors of the show. Uh, I am Mutant Born Hardcore. Go there, get your ISO surge, get your all in, and everyone should get on the gear remember dusty 20 big ron 20 those are your two codes use whichever one you want we love so you guys you thank work. you very much and remember the think big patreon keep a producer homed thank you guys you know scott's uh smashing all the shows i'm sure a lot of our viewers watch the other shows you know blood sweat and gear and all that stuff and uh and uh we just appreciate the the family feel over here at think big so plus the main attraction was that Dusty and I didn't really have to do anything. <laughs> Never have. Right? And then the bonus was that we got a co-host that we didn't know we were going to get. So he didn't know he was going to get it either. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But on this show, the people get what the people want. And the people <laughs> Not wanted all of them. Scott. There's a couple guys that wanted me out for quite some time. Remember, Scott? Yeah, well, yeah. the ones I did when you were in a coma, I, I knocked out some banger episodes. There was a couple good ones in there. There were a couple. Yeah, they were like, keep you know, him in the coma, let him die, whatever. Just like, don't bring him back. It's almost like yeah, a yeah. soap opera. You know what I mean? Like, there's the dusty in the coma period of time. All yeah, of there's that. like the the coma era where Ron was doing the show by himself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, after death, tough. during death. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Absolutely. Um, okay. What's it? What's our first topic today? Can you bodybuild? How important is social media in bodybuilding? Fair. Is that what we're yes. talking about? Yes. 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 How important is social media in bodybuilding? Okay. Well, let, let's let Dusty start this. Well, how do you how do you take that question? Well, I take it simply is well. How important is it? Well, it depends if you're doing it for a business or if you're doing it to bodybuild. Like you can absolutely. I think this is the tricky thing. I see people complain about social media all the time, right? And they act as though we are being, you know held by gunpoint to do social media. If you don't want to be on social media, just the, the key is don't put it on your phone and don't do it. Go to the gym, train, and get big, just like we did back in the day. Um, but if you are trying to make a living out of bodybuilding in any way, shape, or form, then yeah, it's it's highly important and valuable. I think the area that things get confused to me is you don't have to do this in any way you don't want to. You know, I mean, today we went to the gym, we trained, um, and I told Nikki, I was like, eh, we woke up, we we're supposed to do legs yesterday. We obviously traveled, so we didn't. Then you get here after, you know, a, a rough three days in Vegas. And I was like, you know, let's just do back. And I don't want to film anything. And then halfway through the work, I was like, oh, I'm kind of liking this machine I created. Um, oh, yeah, film a couple that. sets and we'll see if it is worth a shit. And that was that. But, you know, at no point did I feel like I must do a post today, you know, yeah. and I think that's where people get off. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I was just watching this other, I don't know which podcast I was watching. And, uh, and the person was talking about how healthy it was to like, um, you know, reassess what you put on social media. Hmm. And how it affects you. Because people don't stop and think about how it affects them. Right? They just think of it as like a promotional tool. Like, oh, I got to get this out. But, um, you know, sometimes there's people that like, let's say they stop enjoying their hobby. Right? Mm -hmm. Their hobby becomes like really chore and work oriented. And like, they're sort of feel like it's all discipline. <laughs> right. You know, and they're grinding away at their hobby. And it's just discipline. Just And um, they realize they're putting a lot of it on social media. And it sort of sneaks in on you and it, it makes it seem like your goals and focuses are on other things now and you didn't even realize it. And it can, you know, make it a less pleasant because you start getting all that, you know, you don't get as many hits on this video as you did on another video. And, and this is supposed to be your hobby. Yeah. Right. And so just being aware that that can sneak in on you and it can actually poison what you're doing because you get this negative feedback loop of all these other things going on when it used to just be 
your hobby and your mind was just on what you're like, let's say you're, you know, learning to play piano or something. You just literally for the love of it, all the music and all that. But if you started posting it all the time, it can get in there where it becomes about more than that. And um, so just being aware of that, like some people, I think they, they wind up with so much anxiety in their training because the social media has sort of snuck into their training regimen as like a part of their training. And mm-hmm. you just got to really try to keep those, um, you know, those dividers up, really try to make sure you compartmentalize what you allow that stuff to sort of, you know, get into. Cause I see young people like, you know, this, there's stress about that in their workout, you know, and you just, that's, that's where it becomes a problem to me. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. That's not bodybuilding. You know, I, and, and it kind of takes me back to just, just in general, when, whenever I had gotten just too overwhelmed by everything, you know, like, like everything involved, it, it, like we talked about before, there was a point when my whole ritual just to get to the gym and start training, it required like three different peptide injections and an intra workout <laughs> shake and having these post workout countdown. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Timers. This meal needs to be prepared, all that potassium. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. I've got my sodium, you know, and and if I didn't, you know, if I didn't have it all lined up, then I didn't I didn't feel like I did that as optimally as I could have. When in reality, you know, I I, I'd step back and I would remind myself, where did this passion come from? And for me, it was finding my dad's old weight set in the basement, literally under the workbench. He had like the old plastic weights, you know, and I pulled those out and put them up on the on the weight bench. And I, I figured out how to train. And then his his friends helped me. Him and his friends you know, taught me stuff. And uh, I had like some training posters I put up on the basement wall and stuff. And I took myself back to how that felt. And I reminded myself of the foundation of like what that original passion and love was. And I disconnected mm-hmm. myself from those things because it is so easy to get wrapped up in that. Just the 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 your the hobby. I like the way you put that, Ron. The hobby can kind of take over. And I think especially for a lot of us in bodybuilding, we we have that tendency to do that. You know what I mean? To keep building yeah. off of it. I mean, God, right now with with uh shooting stuff, I'm considering getting into reloading and like that's a whole other hobby on top of shooting you know what i mean it's like now i have to dedicate part of my basement to this thing there's 500 different machines i need to buy and it's like you gotta draw the line somewhere this is just supposed to be fun you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but that's the i think that's the key though is is understanding you know what ron said i thought was really valuable which is if if you take your hobby and turn it into a business, make sure you're not sacrificing more than it's worth. You know, now, because, because for example, for me, if someone were to say, well, you can make an extra hundred grand a year off of bodybuilding if you do X, Y, Z, but you won't enjoy the bodybuilding as much. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, cause I'm really not money motivated. I learned that over time. It's like, if I have to sacrifice quality of life, then I'm not money motivated. I'm motivated to find ways to enjoy life that are profitable. And I think that's something that people really, really miss out on. Um, and, and I wouldn't sacrifice, like you said, Scott, the joy of going to the gym for any of those things. Like, I just like to go. You know, that's why it's always been so simple. And I had a kid at the gym the other day. He was like, what are you, what are you drinking in, the, in that shaker cup? Because I have a mutant metal shaker cup that like it keeps the drinks cold. And I was like, water with ice. Um, both in this cup, you know, and he was like, oh, that's all. And I was like, yeah, it's legs. I found that any aminos, anything with flavor upset my stomach. So I just was like, oh, I just won't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and I know when I was younger, whoa, 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 you can't not have your aminos and your right. sodium and all these things during the workout. It's, it's going to be a terrible workout. I'm Especially like, legs, you know? Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. So literally the, the two biggest body parts that I train as far as you know, breaking down the muscle, legs and back are the two days that I drink water in the gym yeah, and nothing else. Obviously, I do the aminos, I think, before, but old, like young me, I should say, that would not have worked because I know what the book tells me. The book says you got to have all these things while you're training. So yeah. interesting piece. Um, but I think more people should consider training and doing things purely on passion yeah. and then just 
seeing what they do. You know, I used to record my videos just for myself and never did anything with them. I just, yeah, it doesn't have to be like you can do bodybuilding and not have it be like also a social media thing. And, you you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to promote some sort of business like just because you're getting into bodybuilding doesn't mean that you have to do all that stuff, too. Like you can just right. lift weights, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've even had like when I go for when I take my bike out, I've even had some days where I'm like, I'm not going to put a camera up. I just just want to like not think about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just try to not be un- interrupted at all and let my brain flow a little more and that sort of stuff. And it's super fun. Like it, it's a different experience because you're I'm not just- thinking about, you know, oh, did, oh, I wonder if I got that, you know, like you just don't think. About I it. see that with clients sometimes that actually I have to talk to them about it because they'll set the camera and then they'll be doing their set and I'll see them. I'm yeah. like, the camera didn't fucking move, dude. Do not worry about that. And if it did move, oh, well, like set it and be done. And that's very, very key because you'll see it. And and it's funny because I always text them. I'm like, you have no idea how much you lost during that set because you were thinking about the camera. Yeah, even if it's just right before, like they're sitting there with the dumbbells on their knees and they're getting ready and they kind of look just to double that last triple check, you know, and then you aren't 100% in. Yeah, I've, I've never there's not a single set that I've ever posted <laughs> in 17 years of, of recording bodybuilding in some way that would have cost me my career if it didn't go up. So, like, if you know, I mean, we I've had that before. I mean, it's funny, but just just the other day, I can't remember what I was doing, but I had a really good set of, of rows and Nikki accidentally double tapped the screen like she was trying to kill me. Um, so she started and turned off the camera at the same time and then filmed the whole set. <laughs> And then she got done and she goes, oh, and I said, did you double tap the screen? And she goes, yeah, sorry. I go, cool, because I did that two sets ago to you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, of course, had to first amp it up like I was disappointed. I'm like, I don't care. Right, right, right. (laughs) Start with, you know, abuse of of your spouse and then tell them what you already did. I think it's healthy for us. I think it's healthy for us. To miss stuff, accidentally miss some of that. You oh, can't yeah. always have sure. what we have it our way. We you know, just keep you a little hard. <laughs> it allows me to lie about how many reps I got on it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. it was seventeen. She's like, it was twelve. Seventeen. Yeah. You weren't there. It's on a camera. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so what yeah. We well, um, I don't know. We were just uh, in Vegas, Dusty. We were, were talking about Vegas. that. We talked about that for a minute. Yeah. I got to hear about that, Scott. I got reports of you guys being in Vegas, and uh, and I heard you guys were you guys did a podcast. You guys were at the the Dragon's Lair, and uh, you got on with uh, Flex. I wonder when that's coming out. I, I should check right now. We don't even know. know the answer to that. See, there was a I lot. Fi- I, knew, I, guess, I, I didn't ask you, did I? I knew you no. wouldn't know the answer. <laughs> you couldn't ask Flex either. He wouldn't know either. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, Flex yeah. is truly one of us. Um, I will say that. He, I guarantee yeah. if I said, hey, I'm going to send you $500, but you can't ask anybody, when's the show on? He'd be like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, great great guy. Yeah, we we're going to start at the top, though. We got to start at the top. So, okay. Ron, explain how we found out that both of us are in Vegas because the amount of people who do not believe me. Yeah, I know. No one believes me. That trip. <laughs> so, so um, it was like a couple months ago, Emily and I were like, we need a, a little, like, like at least a weekend away before the work trips start, you know? Right. Okay. I was like, she's going to come to the Arnold with me and she's, you know, she might, might even come to one of the other shows with me too. Um, but, uh, you know, they're work trips, right? So she's, we need, we need a little getaway. So I said, why don't we get away in January? We book a trip to, to Vegas. And, um, and, and uh, then I just happen to be talking to Nikki and I say, hey, it's 10 weeks out this weekend. Why don't you have a cheat meal? Because she hasn't had one yet. She's done like 10 weeks with no cheat meals. Right. And she's, you know, she's like, OK, I'll, you know, I'll take a meal. That'll be great because I'll be in Vegas. <laughs> and I go, oh, we're going to be in Vegas. And then I start texting Dusty and it just so <laughs> happens that they were going. So we uh, we wound up making plans to train at Dragon's Lair one day and then uh, we went to Went out for a steak and a magic show on Saturday. So a magic yeah, right. show, yeah, it's good. Who we was that? And saw, who was it, Dusty? Shin Lim. 
Yep. Shin Lin. And he had a mentalist with him, which in my opinion, the mentalist stole the show. I don't even know what that is. What's a mentalist? Who is the mentalist? Uh, they like, re- you know, read your mind. I don't like, even remember uh, his did name. Did the craziest shit. Charlie Cloud, wasn't it? Something like sure. that. I didn't Anyways. pay attention. My brain broke so yeah. many times during this yeah. thing. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, he's just like, he's pointing. He's like, he's like, okay, what's your postal code? And the guy's like, you know, 90133, and he, like, puts in the calculator. He's like, what's your postal code? Another guy's like, well, and he just adds them, and then he has another guy randomly hit the, the the thing six times or whatever, and he keeps adding all these numbers, and you get this this weird number. Yeah. And, Which he uh, had us all do the same thing, by the way. Yeah, we're all doing it on our phones with him, so we yeah. all have the same number on our screen. Okay. And then and then the number was, um, was 125. It was, it was yeah, 125, 20, 127, 127, 11, or what was it? Was it 9, 9.30? Anyways, anyways. It was the he, date and he, time of the moment we yeah, were in. And then he goes, the reason this number is so important is everyone look at your phones. And he goes, and he draws lines through the numbers, and it's the date and 7.33, and he puts PM. Wow. And we were all looking at our phones, <laughs> and it's... January 25th, 2023 at 7.33 p.m. Everyone's phone said 7.33. And the whole crowd just like popped. Like <laughs> it was crazy. It was just like that sort of stuff all night. Like that's just fun. getting hammered, hammered with ridiculous stuff. And then the the card tricks and the illusions. And it was a lot yeah. of fun. I, I really dig that stuff because I, I really, I don't know. I, I, I have such an appreciation for like, people that are so crafty and precise and practiced you know like how many hours did that guy put in yeah Mm -hmm. okay i know what you're talking about now and i saw this guy do something was crazy he it was on a tv show and they brought in these three social media um uh um what do you call them? Uh, people who, why can't I think of the word right now? People. Influencer. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I okay. guess I just blocked that word out of my head or something. Um, <laughs> he didn't want to say it. <laughs> and, he, and he had all these different sets and all these different props. And he had a conversation with each one of them. And he told them, I want you to be creative. And I want you to use the props in here. And I want you to uh, come up with your best picture. And through that conversation, he gave them suggestions without them knowing, and they all ended up creating the same picture. Like every single one of them out of all these yeah. different rooms, all these different props through the suggestions he gave, which is crazy to think of just how how much we are able to, you know, how susceptible we are to that kind of stuff. But these guys thought yeah. they were like the best and they all did the same thing. Yeah, that stuff is so fun. That stuff really is. I yeah. could imagine it was a good night. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Definitely and there was a great like, show. The really cool interaction stuff, like he gave us, everyone had four playing cards. Yeah. Remember that at the very beginning? Oh, yeah. You go to your seat and there's four, there's a little pack of cards on everyone's seat and it's four cards and they're just all different random cards. And he had us shuffle them and separate them and move them around. And then he had us rip them in half and then restack them and then cut and then throw one over our shoulder and then cut, restack throw one over our shoulder. You know, he had us do all this stuff until we only had, oh, and then With put one in our pocket. And one under our pocket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and put like one piece in our pocket and then blah, blah, blah. And then he had us down to three and he throw two over your shoulder. So you throw two over your shoulder and then you're left with one piece of, it's like half a card. Okay. And he goes, okay, now take the one out of your pocket and you take it out and it's the matching half for that card. That's so wild. And, and it, it was like, like every single person. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like yeah and that i know was that a there's these opening thing and so yeah that was I'm the first trick ron and i'm looking at emily and i'm like this is gonna be a long night <laughs> yeah just and i know that a lot of like some of those tricks are like these mathematical rules that yeah. are super deep and complicated and like people like me our brains just go you know yeah so but i like that Show me, show me what I, show me how much smarter you are than me. Like your <laughs> deep understanding of mathematics. Well, I'm going to look forward to hearing the podcast when that comes out. I'll be sure yes. to put links up to it here at Think Big. And also uh, Peter, friend of mine, and uh, uh, he was at the gym there. And I know that uh, his uh, significant other is working with you, Dusty. Yes. He had told me that you guys were sitting in the lobby when he showed up. And he said, some guy 
younger guy came running up and was like, hey, I love the podcast to you guys. So yeah. how many people did you meet that were into the show? Um, there was a few at the gym. Yeah. Like, yep. uh, there was that, that older dude in the gym too, that was training. That was like, Oh, you guys are the best. I love how f- your show's so funny. And it was just really like, I was like, Oh wow. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, there was several people at the gym that listened to the podcast, but those two young dudes that came up, they were great. They wanted, uh, Dusty to watch, uh, his, uh, deadlift video. Wanted him oh, to yeah? critique his deadlift video. Yeah. So Which that was, was very good, cool. by the way. He did a good yeah, job. Yeah. Actually, he said, what was funny was he said, he goes, I had three hopes for this trip. He goes, <laughs> I was hoping that I would see you and Ron, that I could get you to review my deadlift video, and that I could run into Nick Walker. So I was like, oh, cool. So we're sitting there, and he showed me the deadlift video, and it was great. And I was like, man, I said, you know, a minor tweak to like head position, but as far as your execution and this and that, yeah, it was flawless, you know, which you don't get to say very often, which you're hoping you get to when you're in person. So yeah. It was great. And we're kind of chatting it up. And I said, Hey, good news, man. And he goes, what? I go, your third thing just walked in behind you. And Nick Walker yeah. had just walked in and he goes, no way. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. What a trip. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah. We, we saw Nick uh, two days, both days we were there. We saw Nick. So he's training and, just gave him the, you know, said hi and and uh, said uh, all the best this year, and you know, and he he was pretty he's pretty excited I think this year, and he looks he looks great. He's big and lean. Fucking, yeah, yeah, you know, that's he wild. walked out he walked out with a sick hamstring pump with his shorts kind of up. Yeah, with big yeah. hams hanging out. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, he's yeah, good. It was fantastic. So it's good good time, and then obviously we we did enjoy the show. Uh, you know, with, with Flex. And that was another thing is because I had told Flex a couple of weeks ago we were coming and he told me to remind well, they were coming. Or, right. that, that I was coming, Nikki and I. Yeah. And then I forgot. So literally like the night before we came, I was like, hey, Ron's coming too. So hopefully we'll see you. Yeah. And I, I missed him at the gym. We trained and did whatever. They were at the SHOT Show and I left and Ron ran into Flex and then I don't know what happened, but after chatting a little bit, whatever, late that night, I get a text. Ron gets a text. He's like, hey, is there any way you guys could do the podcast with us? He goes, yeah. I got to schedule the whole thing. Like, I haven't even talked to the producer, but you're both here. So can we do it? And it was funny because I, w- I didn't even see it. I was up 22 hours straight at that point. So I went to bed <laughs> before that text, which was only like nine something there, but it was midnight my time. Yeah. And uh, I woke up in the morning. And I text him back, and then we didn't hear from him for a few hours. Then he's trying to get a hold of the of the um, the producer, but he was already doing other things. He wasn't planning on shooting that day. And eventually, he was like, "Can you guys be there at two o'clock?" And Ron had plans with Emily. I was solo because Nikki was shooting that day, so it was easy. And uh, Emily proved her uh, uh, her status with Ron because literally, I I text him. I go. I know you guys are out, but Flex just asked about two o'clock, and this is like what twelve thirty. Yeah, and we Ron, have plans. Like, like we have the whole day planned, right? <laughs> oh no, kidding! <laughs> Literally three minutes later, he goes, "We're all good. See you there." I'm like, and that yeah. is how it is done, <laughs> yeah. ladies Emily and guys. Just take note of how you support somebody on a good opportunity, and you know, yeah. she just said cool, and, and and we were there for hours. I mean, yeah, we were we were in day. the hotel. We were actually in the hotel gym that day training okay because we didn't have time to go to dragon's lair we had a, a day plan. <clears throat> yeah and uh so we're in the hotel gym training and i see my phone and i'm like gosh shit you know <laughs> so I, I walk over to her and i take my headphone out she takes her headphone out and i said so uh flex wants <laughs> to know flex wants to know if dusty and i might want to do the show at two o'clock and she goes oh i'll work on my laptop by the pool you just go do your thing that's cool <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> That's why we work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Didn't blink. No issue. <laughs> 12 years later, you know, I got back to the room at like 430 yep. and um, she's like chilling with a book and she's like, let's go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? That's awesome, man. That yeah, really yeah. is. Hey, we got some good, good feedback on the last episode. People are freaking, they're really been, they've been enjoying the show. I do want to say we could use more questions for the next episode, but I wanted to bring this comment up in particular because there was a correction, uh, something Dusty had said where he made a mistake. Oh, uh, he, Dusty had said uh, that Justin Harris wasn't the prettiest physique. 
Oh, and yeah. uh, Tropona Nutrition said, small correction, I believe Dustin, uh, Dusty meant to say, Justin had the prettiest physique. I think that's what you meant to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I love the people who don't know who that comment came from that are like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> For those who missed it, uh, that was Justin correcting me on his gorgeous, flawless, Sean Roden-esque physique. <laughs> Yes. 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 Yeah. Especially the silhouette shots. Oh yeah. 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 When I think of the arm yeah. over the head from the side. I don't think of Roden. Yeah. I think of Justin Harris. <laughs> also, we had Justin Shire chimed you know, in. Every time someone says twenty rep squats, I think of Justin Harris for the rest of my life. Really? I yeah, always think of him because of those videos, those widowmaker sets. That was how I learned mm-hmm. about DC was watching him do those widow widowmakers. Yeah. So yes. That will whenever someone says twenty rep squats, I think of his four oh five widowmakers. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know what this since is. since we know he watches uh or or someone will direct him to this. Yeah. Justin, this is your public invite to be yes. on the show. So yes. message us. Yes. Yes. And we don't have to we could talk about anything. We talk about guitars. Let's talk about guitars, man. Come on. Screw these two. We'll talk about guitars for like an hour. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we had Justin okay. Shire commented too. If you remember, we posted those pictures mm. that he wasn't satisfied. He says, I still am not happy when I look at those two pictures today. So, you know, it's funny. Well, neither am I. It's because good. They're not me. Yeah. Um, it's good. It that lets me, us know that Justin will keep satisfied. Growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin's photos, Justin's physique photos leave me eternally unsatisfied. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we did have a bunch of stuff, though. Um, one question. I'm not seeing it offhand, but I remember what it was. We had a guy say that, um, so he's wondering when's the best time to end a cut. He said he's not competing, oh. anything like that. He's just trying to get into better shape. Now, he does say he's a strength athlete, so I don't know what that means. And he says that his strength has plummeted over the last two weeks. So I thought it'd be a good topic just across the board, especially for guys who don't have a show. Like, When do you stop cutting? Yeah, so people that are cutting for, you know, purely cosmetic reasons um, are part of this group, right? Yeah. And then there's there's those that cut as part of a strategy to, like, you know, maximize insulin sensitivity and, you know, make things more efficient if they, you know, that sort of stuff. So those are kind of the two types of people that I think mainly cut without a show, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're doing it for cosmetic reasons... I mean, if you haven't gotten the result you want yet, then like I would maybe look at fixing your diet instead of ending the cut. Like maybe he just needs to do a week of really high calories, fill out, yeah, get kind of like, you know, all glycogened up and maybe the strength comes like right back and he can get back into a, a more strategically planned cut that he's not going to have his strength plummet on. That's one option. And then the other option, if he's doing it to like, you know, maximize insulin sensitivity and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I mean, then, you know, maybe it's time to end the cut. I don't, I don't know the reason why your strength is down. Like, are you 3% body fat and that's why your strength is down? Like, are your glutes peeled or are you just like under eating, hmm. you know? So those are the questions that have to be analyzed. But yeah, there's only a few real reasons to continue or end it. Yeah. I, I was going to say the only thing I was going to add was I think sometimes... Uh, the a very common mistake. It's what I did when I was first even coaching people was the calories were too low, too fast. The output was too high, too fast. Um, yeah. You have to be very understanding of, of how a cut works and also understand that it's not linear progress, you know, linear progress. Um, because that's an issue. We, we just talked about it, Ron, uh, driving back home last night. It's like people don't see that Ron, with he was working with Nikki, like he started a, a diet and it kind of went along and was going really good. And then it kind of like fluttered for a little bit and just kind of hung out. And experience tells you sometimes, especially with a longer timeline, leave it alone. You don't need to immediately, the moment progress stops, go, oh, okay, I better, I better lower the calories or increase the output or whatever. Um, give it a minute because all of a sudden it started dropping again. You know, in all your guys' time together, it's been two adjustments total. Yeah, and that's yeah. all it takes to make massive changes if you've got the patience. And I find, I mean, I just had a guy, a, a, a fan, send me a thing. Hey, do you mind looking at this diet? So he sends me his diet over, and he says, "Yeah, I'm starting to cut this week." And I said, "Well, can you send me your previous diet? 
real quick. So he sent that over. It was a 1,400 calorie difference he was planning on doing in a day. Oh, God. Right. Like immediate. Like day yeah. one. Like he, yeah, yeah. Day one is this. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And based on his pictures and weight and everything, he was in good shape. I was like, oh, right. you know what I would do? I would shave uh, 200 calories off total. Right, right. And, and just cruise for a minute. And and then I said, and maybe implement a off training day diet that's, you know, another two, 300 less than that calories. Start there, you know. So that is usually the issue because outside of mentally, you shouldn't be losing strength until you're deep into a prep. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a few people, remember a couple episodes ago, I, I made a comment about how I used to, you know, have the men- mentality of fighting to keep every rep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I saw a few people reposted that. Like they, you know, that that struck a chord with a couple of people. And that's, 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 you have to keep that in mind. Like you should be able to get really lean and still be really strong, you know? I used to break records till the end. Yeah. The, I, I, <laughs> There, there was an exception with my pressing would always take a bit of a step because I felt like, you know, with a lot of fluid in my shoulders and stuff, when I would be heavier, I had like a pillow on my chest and then, <laughs> you know, I'd drop like 10 pounds of water and all of a sudden there's no pillow on the chest. So the, <laughs> my pressing, right. all, my pressing always took a bit of a hit, but other things would go up during prep, yep. you know? So, um, and if he's a strength athlete, that would be super frustrating, you know, like, if anything, you'd want to get your strength to weight ratio maximized. So you'd want your old lifts with your new body weight, you know? And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Or just yeah, be fatter. Who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Probably just drop calories too low for too long. Yep. You know? Yeah. Agreed. There's even that point, too, where if, like you were saying, Ron, if you took, like, some time to, to really fill out for a week, maybe that'll fix it. Sometimes yeah. even just, like, throwing in higher carbs or something before you train you know, on a big body part, you might find that you you hit that point that like that magic pocket where you start adding food in and you keep getting leaner. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Add that extra yeah. cup of rice in before training. And now you're like three times as hungry after you train. You had more glycogen in the muscle, more energy. And, yeah. and now you're getting even you know lighter than you were before. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of people. um Say, hey, you know, like um, most of the people that reach out while they're already dieting and asking, hey, can you like help me with my prep? Yeah. I find the number one thing is when they send me the diet they're on, it's like way too little food too far out. That's yeah. that's kind of one of the common things. I think and then that's what triggers them, obviously, to reach out to a coach. It's like things aren't going well, yeah. you know. Um, and Dusty mentioned a kind of a rough number. He said 200 calories for that one guy. Um, which is totally, you know, doable, but like for the most part, I, I tend to think 500 calories, like that's where I kind of start. It's like, let's pull 500 calories, but you know, obviously if someone's leaner, I would go less, you know, Mm -hmm. fatter (laughs) might, might even go up to like 20, 20% of their calories, you know, but there's, there's a little bit of over they already were. Yeah. And timeline, you know, like I, I got nine weeks is a little different than 19. So, you know, (laughs) you know. At the end of the day, time is your best friend when trying to get leaner and hold your strength. Yeah, so, right. you know, there's also, you have to, you know, if you're rushing a prep, there's only so much you can do sometimes. I remember when I started bodybuilding, like my first show, when I talked <clears throat> to someone, I was like, how long do I need to prep? And they said 12 weeks. And this was based off of nothing. Like they didn't, they didn't see me put my shirt off. Just twelve weeks was the number. That's yeah. how it used and to be done. Yeah. yeah, and it's so funny because now, like at the end of my career, um, twenty weeks was always my number. Not because it takes me twenty weeks. I can get ready really fast. I just found that I enjoyed the prep better. It went better. I maintained more muscle mass, strength. All the things I enjoyed about bodybuilding stayed with a longer prep. So now it's funny. I almost feel bad because people will reach out to me and say, Hey, I want to hire you for a prep. How long should we go? And they'll send pictures and they're in a good spot, you know, where I could get them ready in 12 weeks. I'm like, listen, perfect world. It'll take 10. Can I have 20? Right. And it's not because I'm trying to make more money off of you. Right. I can guarantee you a better result with that timeline. And, and 
fortunately, it's become common enough now that people say yes to that, where I think when I was younger, 12 was the number. If somebody asked for 20, I'd be like, you just trying to get my money. Yeah, people would think <laughs> you were a bad coach if you told them 20 weeks. Yeah. For Why would it take you, know, you that long? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the old, like, I kind of I caught the tail end of that. Um, that was an 80s thing. It was like a 12-week prep. And everyone, it was very common. Like, all the pros would say, yeah, you know, 12 weeks out from the Mr. Olympia. Like, it was very, very common to hear that number. Right. And um, I think it was because, you know, first of all, those guys were, you know, at the time, the genetically elite, you know, yeah. of people that were lifting weights. Those 80s pros were, they were the cream of the crop. Like, you know, there's, and, um, and they kind of, you know, obviously stayed leaner in the off season anyways. And then also the condition wasn't as like ridiculous of a standard for the most part. Yeah. Um, right. So there was that. So, I sort of saw that like transition, like, you know, I think my first show I even prepped for like, it might have even been 12 week prep on my very first show. But when I was in high school, I did a show as a junior. I might've done 12 weeks for that. But, but by the time I got to like competing and like hanging out with bodybuilders that everyone was talking about 16 weeks, that be, that was mm -hmm. the number. Yep. Yeah. And it was 16 for ages. Like we always did 16 week preps and we'd be fat as hell and we'd get to the 16 week mark and we'd be like, just smash everything to, you know, get in shape. And, and then the, the kind of the concept of the 20 week prep, I remember when that was creeping in and these guys were coming in like, you know, you know, at, at first it was like the guys that were getting super, super diced were just genetically the best right. at getting right. diced. But then when the preps got longer, I found that was when other people were getting peeled. And yeah, that's I think what the change was is I agree. It, yeah, it's it's time. Time is the key for most people to get peeled. And yeah. um, it just takes most people a lot longer than than we used to think. We used to hope, you know. Right. So that was my trick was was at, at the state level. I could be competitive because I could get really, really lean. And honestly, the conditioning that I brought, I don't think it I don't think it would stand out as much. Uh, compared to the guys today like it would just be like oh yeah there's another guy who's in good shape you know because right. like literally everybody is absolutely peeled now like the the the, the people like just, god top five at any of the national level shows for light heavyweight like all of those guys are going to be way more conditioned than what they were you know 10 15 years ago but it was the same thing was that 12 week went to 16 and and then started extending but i remember Back then, at like the twelve week preps, people um, people used to think that like you would go too far. Like after that twelve weeks, it would be like it oh, would yeah, be switch. counterproductive. Yeah, like you know yeah, now you're right. gonna lose muscle, so you need to keep it right. yeah. short. And man, people used to come in like like you said, Ron, like the early two thousands, like heavy, and then they would diet hard in that twelve weeks. Like it, that was yeah. a brutal diet, man. Well, man, that Nasser, Nasser would be 325 pounds, like 12 weeks out from the Olympia. Yeah. Yep. And he'd be eating like double McDonald meals with double blizzards and everything like that. And, and like, and, you know, water just blown out. And then, you know, within 12 weeks, he'd be 280 peeled out of his, you know, at the Olympia getting second. Yeah. You know, it was just crazy. And so there were those guys doing that still back then. It was like. <laughs> it just seems harsh. I remember when I worked with Chad Nichols in 2009, um, I, you know, we, we were getting really heavy. Like that's when I got to three 30. Yeah. And I was like, are we going to start prep soon? And he's like, yeah, I just want to sit at this weight for a while. And, and then, <laughs> and nervous. then come, and then come down. And I was like, well, we don't have like a lot of time. Like it left. It's, he goes, I'll oh, just sit at this weight for a while. And I go, well, how long do you think you want to prep for? And he's like, well, I, I'd really like to do 10 weeks. How do you feel about that? Oh. And I went, I do not have the confidence to do 10 weeks. Like I've never been this heavy in my life and I want to be like really peeled. He's like, okay, well let's do 15. You want to do 15? And I was like, okay. So yeah. I did that's 15 a nice 50% with jump. That's a nice, that's a nice jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in hindsight, I, I think, you know, I could have used another few weeks. I mean, I could have really sat in better condition for sat in that condition for a longer period of time. And it would have been a better, even if I didn't lose body fat, it would have been a better, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, you know, in hindsight, I, I kind of wish I would have even done more than that. I think that, you know, you know, Chad's worked with some pretty genetically gifted guys and get in shape in a hurry. So yes. <laughs> he probably gets some of those guys like, you know, Oh, eight weeks, let's go. You know, 
But yeah. I just was like, man, I don't think my body's going to do that. I bet you uh, no matter what you did to Ronnie, he never looked flat. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I can imagine dieting him. It had to be easy. Not, not easy, but easy, you know? The only way to get Ronnie to be flat would be to overly dehydrate him, which yeah. I think is kind of what happened in 02 against... You know what's Rome. funny is um, talking to uh, Chris about this, and not him specifically and, his, and the people he worked with, but something he brought up about prepping guys like that that is different. He said, well... It's easier. Let me let me rephrase this. I'm going to put my own words in this. So I'm not putting it in his mouth, but more yeah. or less the the idea was sometimes it's easier, but sometimes it's harder because they always look good. <laughs> yeah. So you have to remember that you know Rami eight weeks out. If you were working with him and you were a, a very good prep coach, but you'd never worked with someone like that, I think the overall mass and what appears to be conditioning, all those things, is so mind-boggling. You don't realize how much more room there is to improve. Hmm. When he said that, it kind of hit me because I have I, I did learn that over the years working with people was like when I worked with someone who was small, I was like, listen, we just got to get nasty yeah. because there's nothing here to work with other than conditioning. Um, and it wasn't until years in and getting better that I understood how to bring someone in that was 250 on stage and sliced you yeah. know because they looked great at 265 and you're like oh this is this is good and and i think that's the the line of the longer prep too because it allows you to bring that plane in slowly and you know you can go a little too far say they flatten out or whatever and go okay now let's bump it up okay what happened to the look and kind of get some feedback because you know scott you were like oh man now everyone's peeled and i was so glad you mentioned national level shows something and you haven't been to the shows i've been to like <laughs> no one's peeled you mean at and, the state uh, level? Yeah, and that's it. I mean, I want to bring it up not to shart, you know, take a shot at state level shows, but to remind people that are on their way up, get shredded. Yeah. That is your magic. That's what will get people's heads turning. That Middleweights win overalls at, yeah, at local at level state shows. Levels, they you really know, can. Because yeah. they get nasty. And I, I can't press that enough because – Every show we go to, I mean, we, I went to a show a few months ago and there were, it was, a, it was the best show I'd seen in a long time at a local level show. And a figure girl walked out and I was like, there's the best athlete in the entire show. I mean, she was mind boggling. And I'm like, no disrespect to her, but we're talking about up to heavyweight Bibles that were very good. And she stole the show because they weren't hard enough. That's cool. You know, and you're like, and, and you want to go tell them that, like, you guys were awesome and you won the overall, but you want to know that next level because I think that's what people get thrown off on is you, you really should go, especially if you live in an area where it's not hard to do. I think you should go to a national level show or a pro qualifier and look at the top guys to really understand what, for lack of a better term, averages. Yeah, like, yeah. the top five are all bananas as far as conditioning goes at a pro qualifier and i think that that's really important when you're coming in because that's not what enough people are thinking about and and you'll find yourself getting embarrassed pretty quickly because conditioning makes you look bigger than you are you know yeah. and, and a lot of factors and i think i've shared this before but chris cook told me at one point the first national level show he went to he was from alaska so he didn't know anybody yet and he was a heavyweight he got to prejudging a little bit late and he runs in and he sees all these guys lined up and he just his head falls back and he asks this guy he goes dude how long ago do the heavies go and he goes oh they haven't went yet we're middleweights and as soon as he heard that he realized he was going to get smoked because he thought they were all heavier than him yeah. and they were two classes lighter than him <laughs> He's, and he's like, like brained. Yeah. And he immediately goes, That's what I realized. I spent two thousand dollars to watch a bodybuilding show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. When I first yeah, started I coaching, I in in and really when I first started coaching competitors, it was the men's physique guys that started coming to me. And it was when men's physique was brand new. And I remember the guys in the gym. They thought like, oh, well, we're not bodybuilders. We don't train like bodybuilders. A lot of them thought like at the time, like we don't have to train legs because you don't see legs, all that stuff, all the all the stereotypes mm -hmm. that we all made fun of men's physique. Yeah, that was for. that first round. Yeah. yeah so I, know. <laughs> I had a couple guys that came to me and wanted help. 
And so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to diet them like bodybuilders. And we just got peeled, like absolutely lights out, freaking peeled. And we got to the show and they took first and second, you know, second to the the guy who took the to each other, yeah. Yeah, and and back then, because it, it, I just was thinking further about conditioning then versus now, because it was like, it was almost easy to coach back then when I first started, because like nobody else got that. And I became yeah. like, I, I became like this men's physique coach, like all of a sudden all these men's physique right. guys were coming to me, like I had this special knowledge about men's physique. I was just doing what we did with bodybuilders, you know, yeah. and they're smaller dudes, they're smaller bodybuilders, and just we just math. got in crazy shape, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it still works today. You know, at that yeah, level, that's what I do. It. It's what I do with figure competitors. They're just bodybuilders to me. Yeah, I think they're all bodybuilders really to lead. a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah bikini is just like the, a bodybuilder. Bikini is just the <laughs> difference is the fullness at the like the, the conditioning at the end. You know what I mean? You, it's the same mm. level of actual muscle or fat loss, but like you just don't want to see veins. But it's like the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, I've had you know every time I've helped like a. You know, I've, I've had like several really good figure clients that, you know, went and won pro cards and stuff like that. And um, I always get a bunch of inquiries afterwards, you know, yeah. like, oh, what do you, you know, what did you do? And I'm like, well, she's, I don't know, her body weight's 135. So we just think of a bodybuilder, but with a body weight of 135 pounds. It's just yeah. so hard. Yeah. yeah. So that's all it is to me. Just muscle and fat. That's all you're made of, you know, muscle, fat, and bone. You sure so, just water? So I, yeah, some, some water. Yeah, there's a lot of water in there too. <laughs> a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. You, what, what's next, Scott? Ron, what's a hoser? Ah, that's another Canadian word. A hoser's like Slap a goofball. Shot. Yeah, like a goofball, like a. Yeah, I wouldn't say loser. That would be a, that would be like be like a goofball as a hoser, dummy. Can you can you use it in a sentence? Ah, oh, don't be a hoser, man. Hop in, yeah. let's go. It's very. Have you seen the movie Slapshot? Yeah. They, they call the, each other that all the time, like they're friends. Hey, hoser. Yep. It's yeah, like walking and saying, "Yeah, hey, loser, dork." Like not a. Yeah. It's not offensive. Well, in twenty twenty four, it probably is. You probably can't say that anymore. Yeah, everything's hoser. offensive. We used to it's call each other to, a lot of things that would be offensive. It's, it's meant. Me. It's meant. It's meant to be offensive between friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a friend way offensive. meaner than that to my friends. That's yeah. it. <laughs> All right. We have a whole a whole list here. It oh says boy. no prize for guessing whom oh. questions is uh whom the this question is to trigger. Would you rather use an expo toilet barefoot, <laughs> eat a burger that's arrived fully loaded with salad and mayo, and you can't send it back or pick it off, or Use your cell phone for a critical call that's been on the gym floor facing down for an hour. No, you cannot clean it. No option for Bluetooth or speaker. You need skin to screen contact. No loopholes. Must go balls deep raw into this answer. <laughs> Cheers. And he says, I'll see. I'll see you next month. So he must be going to the Arnold. <laughs> so I love it because I know who that is. It's so great. I've read the name. I'm like, this is fantastic. Oh, Scott. Oh, Scott. That's a good one. He actually very messaged well me. well thought out. He messaged well me last out. week and he was like, did you guys record yet? And I was like, no, not yet. And I was, he was like, okay, I got a question for you. So this was That it. was good. He'd that been planning good. this. Yeah. What are you yeah. going with? Um, funny enough, I'm going with the phone off the floor. Oh, pick the phone up off the floor, put it flat against my face, Sweet make a call. <laughs> I'll even hold it against my face until the emergency crews arrive. Balls deep. <laughs> like if I'm using it to call 911 for an emergency. If yeah. they're like, yeah, if, you know, ambulance will be there in 10 minutes. I'll be like, okay, I'll hold. And I would do that. I, I, I think the last one would be I couldn't do the burger. I no. couldn't eat the burger. No. I couldn't eat it. It would because I would just it would just be too much. It's too too much sensory violation for me. <laughs> um, that's violation of the inside of my body too. Like you're violating the inside of me. Like I'm not gonna let that happen. Like the barefoot in the toilet, I can handle that. Like I'm a man. I could walk through the forest naked if I had to. Yeah. But it's not something I would ever want to do. And I would be very interested in disinfecting my feet as soon as possible. 
But I would um, rather go through the forest naked than through the bathroom at a bodybuilding show with my bare oh, feet. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's danger. <laughs> that was a weak comparison. Both have danger. <laughs> well, you know, okay, we'll make it minus 10. No. <laughs> the, there's a lion chasing you. I don't know. I, I don't think yeah. these people understand how the toilets in Dubai were. But anyways, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yes, I would, I would put the phone against my face. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's where I am. I got that wrong, just so you know. I actually thought the, the thing he would least do was the thing I thought he would accept just because I was like, it's just a little mayo. It's fine. But I should have known since we know onions put him over the edge, too. Anyways, yeah. it does separate story. It does completely change the burger. I'm going to agree with you on that. Oh, yeah. It's you just, know? Hey, if I put shit it's all over like the food, it's does it change your meal? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What is this got shit on it? It's the same meal. That's hard. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So okay. uh, Tony has a, a, a good series of questions for us coming up, apparently. He says, question okay. for the next episode. And every episode, I'm going to ask the same thing for a different body part. What are the most common mistakes you see people make when it comes to training hamstrings? First one is uh, letting their hips lift up when they're doing any curling movement. So true. So they're bringing yeah. the low back and glutes into it. Yeah. It The thing with hip flexion and extension is it has to be, like for leg curls, it has to be set. Like if right. you're going to be flexed at the hip, then you're going to stay there. flexed at the hip through the rep and make yep. the hamstrings do all the pulling, right? If you're going to be, you know, on a lying, lying leg curl, you know, like more like that, then you just want to try to, maintain that position because the more of this you give up it's like it's like leaning back doing a cable crossover yeah you're you're losing power you're like adjusting mechanics to compensate you're getting less rep there's less of everything happening so you want to make sure you're in a fixed position when you're leg curling you know i would say not hinging properly you know doing stiff leg deadlifts but they're just not working the hamstrings like they should be. They're not yeah. hinging properly. So yeah. just learning to bend over and hang from your hamstrings, like even with no weight, just fold your arms over your chest and, you know, drop back in a stiff leg deadlift position, but, you know, let your butt like drop back behind you and kind of, you know what I mean? It's just once you learn to hinge on your hamstrings where you can feel them holding you up, that's really important. You can see your you can see your hips moving backward in space, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you're binging forward, versus I see a lot of times people make the mistake of like that lower back is doing all the work, and then yeah. coming up, and it's like just basically it's just a, a deadlift at that. Point, the bar you know? the bar should go really straight up and down close to mm. your body if you're stiff leg deadlifting. You know what I mean? They kind of reach out over their toes, and that's a huge mistake too. So yeah, if you just hit hinging. When, when you're doing those, it's something that, um, you know, really important is people are reaching for the ground. Like they're thinking it's about touching the ground or getting their hands or the dumbbells to hit the ground. Right. Okay. When in reality, the, the perfect execution to keep it simple is that your torso gets parallel with the ground. And the only way that happens is if you're, like you said, Scott, the glutes go backwards. Yeah, because yeah. if the only focus is leaning forward, then you're you're also putting the weight into your toes. I, I just barely went over that with someone actually with a row. Okay. Same thing. If you're trying to think about just leaning forward to do a row, well, you have no power, you have no base, and your weight is in your toes. And I'm like, no, no, no don't lean forward. Throw your ass backward. Huh. You automatically yeah. fall, and now you've got a better balance, you know, in your body for more power. So keep that in mind. And actually, I think it was, I think it was Joe Bennett's. He went into pretty good detail about getting your your back parallel to the floor. And when you think that way, you really realize that in order to do that, your hips got to push backwards pretty far, and it's an extreme stretch. Yeah, I think that's a mistake that. I've made with barbell row. Now that I think about it, because I've thought always thought with that movement about bending over and then just bracing the fuck out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was drop, a terrible drop movement. Drop the ass too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then I don't know. Another thing would be, you know, you see people do kind of those those reps where the they pull real hard and it comes up and it sort of really quickly hits their butt and bounces off their butt. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's no control in the top of the top of the rep. 
And, um, you know, that's the, the, the strength curve on a lot of leg curls is kind of like harder out of the bottom and then it kind of bounces off the butt, but yeah, try to mm-hmm. main, try to maintain control of it at all times. And, um, it's good to do like some sets where you hold it in a contraction. Yes. It's good to do that on, on things. So you master, that's also part of mastery of movements too, is just understanding how to do that with, you know, mm-hmm. even, even if it's just the odd set here and there, I like that. It's a good practice. Have you ever, with the lying hamstring curl, only brought it up like three quarters of the way? Yeah. That was part yeah. of the set, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Or like gone up on my elbows to try to fully extend my back so I was literally straight, trying to get oh. the shortest, mm-hmm. just trying to get the shortest contraction possible by having the hips fully, fully extended. I never tried mm-hmm. that one. And that's like that. old, you know, like the old Nautilus leg curl was flat, right? You know, so if you yeah. guys would go up on their elbows and their hamstrings would literally be in like the craziest short position, but you can only use like, you know, 30 pounds in that position, right? What so, do you, what do you guys think of like the single leg standing hamstring curl versus the prone versus the seated? What do you think of the I, standing particularly? I've always, lo- I always loved a single leg curl. I was love the isolation of it. Um, there's lots of them I've really loved using over the years. I usually try to do them standing up. They were yeah. sort of a more of a contraction based thought of in my mind. Mm-hmm. I found that realistically just, and, and I think this comes back to simplifying things. I could smoke my hams way better on a seated leg curl than any other curl in the gym. Me too. And mm-hmm. I also found that a lying leg curl and a standing leg curl was the same thing. I'm just, laying (laughs) vertically now um and i I feel like sometimes in bodybuilding you need to do that it's like you can get into the you know the the facts of what that is and and break it down but you don't need to like if i take the lying leg curl that is here and i put it vertically what are we doing yeah i'm doing a lying leg curl again and i and i understand (laughs) that because i write programs for people sometimes where i'll put those two you know a couple things in a a lying and a seated but for me I do seated every time and I never lie down. I don't need to. Yeah. It's the same movement. I get the most out of it. And then of course, 10 years later, I find out that that actually is the superior movement. Like yeah, there's studies on it. So it's like, yeah. oh, that thing that I felt was accurate. But I do think in the same regard, if someone were to argue with me and they say, no, I feel a lying leg curl better. Then I say, do that. You know, because like you said, Ron, you and you like a standing leg curl. You like a standing leg curl because you have really good connection with your muscle and you can I, keep I, your hip out of it and you're not twisting a younger athlete. If you put them on a standing leg curl, they're going to mangle it. You know what I mean? Yeah, often. It does allow you to, 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 um, that shows how connected you are. Cause I actually like them too. I do a kneeling one sometimes, which is the same thing. It's just oh, one. Are, yeah. Kneeling. Yeah. That's what I call them. Yeah. But, that's another one where you see people on it. You're like, oh, I'd rather you just sit down because you're twisting and your hips coming up and everything's pulling except for your hamstring or it's getting a little bit, you know, like our, our kneeling leg curl is mm-hmm. actually a really good one at my gym. And I always laugh because I go up to 80 pounds on it and it goes to 200. And I'm like, right. Who's using that? Because my That's 80 funny. ain't pretty. So. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We were talking about hamstrings and doing leg curls or some shit. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. That's what was happening. Go. We're good. Uh, yeah, but yeah. we don't have any. Um, any. That was about our last uh, really good question that we had. We we did have one <laughs> question for Ron that was training. Oh, or, no. Excuse me. Uh, something to do with music. There was a Ron music okay. question. I'm just getting reconfigured. Let's close here. out on Ron and music. That's All beautiful. Right. Give me just a second. Oh, I'm gonna no. scroll through the list. Um, Play multiple choice or something. Yes. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um, Love the show as always. Always love hearing Ron talk about music. So I was wondering um, uh, what he'd like to achieve in playing in 2024. And um, how does picking up the bass feel and learning guitar first and any personal favorite bassists? He says, play bass and drums myself. Can't help but be curious. Ah, okay. Um, I forget where that question started. Oh, yeah. What are my goals in 2024? Yes. Yes. So 2024 has started really well. Just by fluke of all the practice I laid down last year, I learned 
two guitar solos in the last two weeks. Oh. And uh, they're easy solos, but I'm not a guitar solo guy, right? I'm, I'm like been learning riffs for 30 years and I've never really been able to play solos. But I'm learning a lot more this last year with scales and stuff. So I'm able to play some stuff. And uh, I got two Black Sabbath solos now that I can play Into Which the ones? Void. Oh, okay. uh, into the into the void and snow blind which oh, are like nice. two of my favorite sabbath songs and they got great guitar solos and um i've got those now and i'm just getting them better and better now and i can play along with them and i still screw up at the end of both of them a little bit sometimes but i'm right in there and uh, so it's really been good because it all kind of came together um there's some uh some acdc guitar solos i want to learn this year that are a little like a little easier you know not quite as blazing fast a little shorter a little easier you know, so um, there's a couple of those solos I'm going to learn this year. And then as far as the bass goes, um, I picked up a bass a couple times when I was younger, like and fooled around with it. So um, but having one now, I actually haven't played it for about a month. But, um, uh, you know, once you play guitar for so long, picking up the bass is is pretty easy. Like, yeah. it's exactly the same. It's just the strings are fatter and it's bigger and it's got to kind of adapt and um obviously it's a different instrument you know you know when you're playing in like like what's your role in the band it's a different instrument right um but it's been a lot of fun and and learning a bunch of songs on bass has fundamentally increased my enjoyment of all the music i love because yeah i just understand the bass lines more now like you know, I used to always hear the guitar riffs and I could see the guy's hand moving and I'm like, oh, I wonder where that is on the neck. That's probably around there. He's probably doing this. And then the bass line just sounded cool. Yeah. But you don't even now pay attention when I, to it. You know? Like I would, I would, I would say, oh, I love that bass line, but I wasn't actually thinking like, what's he doing? Where is he? And now I do that. So, yeah. um, so that's been cool. So yeah, a lot of the music that I've loved for decades, I, I listen to it now and I have a new, a little bit of a new appreciation for some of the bass. And, um, there's um as far as like bass players that that i that i appreciate or whatever um i would say chris novoselic from nirvana is like one of my favorite um bass players because his bass lines were like the it's all the melody in the in nirvana songs cobain's riffs are very simple they're yeah. they're like the almost the marching part of it and the bass line is like all the melodies and stuff going on and he's really really busy on the fretboard and so that's really cool and then at the opposite end of the spectrum you know cliff williams from acdc he takes the opposite role he's like the train tracks that the song is on and mm. it's going that direction and you know a lot of dum 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 you know like a lot of eighth notes just driving the song along and uh that's been his role for 40 years in that band. And you gotta, you gotta hand it down. You gotta hand it to him. Cause like, you know, not it's, he's the offensive lineman of ACDC, right? You know, they get no credit. No one knows their names, but the quarterback wouldn't have any of those yards without him. Right. And yeah. uh, so, so that I, I respect bass players a lot. And Steve Harris from Iron Maiden is probably, I think one of the all time greatest, most important bass players. Um, because he's also the principal songwriter of that band. So when you listen to Iron Maiden, listen to it from the concept of the bass player wrote these songs, which is very unusual in most cases. Mm -hmm. So that's why the bass lines are so crazy and Iron Maiden and so important and so complex is because like, you know, he's actually the songwriter principally. So yeah. And you know, Cliff, Cliff, um, Cliff from uh, Metallica, you know, Cliff Burton. Um, he died after the Master of Puppets album, but he's on their first three albums. And Cliff was a, he's probably thought of as like the most influential metal bass player of all time. He was just, an, he was like the Jimi Hendrix of bass at the time. People were like, what is this? Like hmm. people would listen to Metallica albums and they wouldn't realize that like certain parts was Cliff on the bass. They thought it was a guitar riffs. Like, yeah. you know, he's got that opening riff to whom the bell tolls people. A lot of, a lot of times thought that that was guitar, but that's actually cliff on his bass with a phaser. And there's just a lot. I just, I really appreciate these guys. I, I love what, what they all contributed. And, uh, you know, bass players are cool. Like I said, they're, they don't get a lot of love, Yeah, you know, a lot of times they can, they can walk around the venue and they don't have to have a hat or sunglasses on, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they can get away with a lot which is probably a great thing. Hey, 
You know who got that's a lot just, of credit? That's a win. <laughs> Flea. He got he got like a ton oh. of credit as a bass player, but they, that's yeah. not common. You know, not common. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that like everybody knows Flea. You know. Yeah, Flea's a larger than life bass player. You know that. Yeah. And 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 what a sound too. Like he's got a he's an incredible bass player. I've people hear the Chili Peppers, obviously, but that's. You know, you got to watch videos of Flea like freestyling with other bands and stuff, and you realize how unbelievable he is. He just play anything, man. Like those guys at that, that guys like Flea, they're just that's not an instrument. That's just part of his body, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and he could do anything, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's all we got over here. That's all we got over here. We got to remind people once again, we didn't say it early, so this is once again for the last five minute crew or so, maybe last six minute. I don't know. Uh, the Arnold. I'm getting pumped. I've had people messaging me like, hey, I can't wait to meet you guys. I can't wait to see you guys out there. So I'm getting excited. I need to start laying out all the equipment and making sure that yes. everything's situated now. That's like what my game plan is in this next week. That way I'm not like running to try to find anything last minute. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get to the Arnold and, uh, you know, see everyone again. I got people messaging me. I'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Right. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Sounds bad when you say it like that. Do I owe you money? Anyways. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm excited. I'm excited for the to begin all the traveling. I got mutant on a mission starting again soon. Nice. I've contacted a bunch of gyms. We're getting things set up. I was just talking to Hollingshead here on WhatsApp. Cool. You know, gonna try to organize, go and visit him and uh, JP at the shed when I yep. go for FIBO. So we're gonna we're gonna try to work that out. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be a, a, a lot of fun this year. Got a few surprises. That's cool. So, hey, okay. Absolutely. So is that the show? That's it. That's it. Okay. Remember, like, share, subscribe, comment, and ring the bell. Iammutant.com. Born hardcore. Go to iammutant.com. Get your ISO surge. Get your all in. And everyone should get on the gear. Remember, yes. Dusty Twenty Big Ron Twenty. Use the code of your liking. Big think big Patreon. Keep a producer homed. Thank you. Guys. Thank you guys very much for everything. And remember, it's just bodybuilding. 